We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Knicks all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. Here we go. Salute to Knicks Nation on this Thursday night. Special edition of Knicks Fan TV Live, presented by KnicksFanTV.com. CP the franchise here. And on the other side, special guest. Oh, he's always with us, man. He's our guy, Knicks insider for SNY. Also covers the Nets. Ian Begley on the other side, man. And this is the Knicks quarter season report. Knicks 10 and 12 on the campaign so let's check in with Ian let's talk about it some of the key storylines so far this season and if you guys have any questions for us man call us up 657-383-1509 or you can hit us up on the Knicks Fan TV Discord man so hit that thumbs up button for you boys and let's get right into it man once again Knicks Fan TV Live presented by KnicksFanTV.com Ian welcome back man how you doing CP, I'm good, man. I'm really good. It's always good to be with you. Uh, quarter mark of the season, man. It, is it going by fast for you, slowly? About what you expected? Yeah, it's about what I expected. Uh, a mediocre product and angry, angry <laughs> fans, man. But for me, Ian, at, at 10 and 12, I think this team is just about where I, I f- factored them to be. You know, they have a, got a couple of... Good wins, a couple of those West Coast wins, whether it was against a hot Utah Jazz team or in Denver on the on the second night of a back-to-back. I thought those were pretty impressive. Uh, but they had their chances this week to really get some a couple more statement statement wins against a hot Portland team. Couldn't couldn't close in crunch time. Defense fell apart. Simons and uh, and Jeremy Grant cooked them. 
against Memphis. Yeah, Jalen Brunson had two good looks at it to, to really seal that game or even tie that game for the Knicks, couldn't get it done. And then against uh, a real Eastern Conference powerhouse in the Milwaukee Bucks, on the second night of a back-to-back, thought the Knicks gave it a, a, as good a shot as they could. But again, crunch time execution just doomed them. And so they, they are where I expected them to be. But you did come out with a report today saying that, you know, the temperature on the stove could be uh, rising a little bit. Yeah, I think that uh, that was true, at least as of after that OKC loss where the Knicks gave up 145 in regulation. Uh, I think that there was there was more scrutiny at that point, and I, I haven't heard anything that, that leads me to believe that that has uh, turned down at all. And I think that, you know, it's not solely Tom Thibodeau, that internal scrutiny. It's it's the entire organization. And you might say, you know, 10 and 12, it's about where you think this team would be. And I agree with you, CP. I think, you know, based on the roster, this is, you know, give or take a, a game or two, this is where you'd expect this Knicks team to be. But given how things have played out for the Knicks to get here, to get Jalen Brunson, to shed salary, to create the cap space to get Jalen Brunson, uh, and then to be on pace to win 37 games, the same number that you won last year, I think the Knicks are going to have to uh, pick up the pace in, in the win total from a win total perspective and, and, and start to, you know, make some hay in the schedule. And it doesn't get easier for the Knicks in December. It's, it's, it's still a tough schedule. Uh, two easy games at the end of the year, but it's going to be challenging for this club. I think it, it depends. You talked about some of the losses, some of the wins. I think it depends on how you lose. If you're losing these games, if you're competitive, I think that's, that's pretty, that tells you that this team is connected still and, and maybe moving in the right direction. Some of those lopsided losses that you also cited, I, I think about the Atlanta loss was a bad one. Oklahoma City loss was a bad one. The loss in Brooklyn was a bad one. Um, those kinds of losses, if they continue to pile up, I would think that that scrutiny just continues to uh, increase and increase and maybe makes, uh, makes it more likely that a decision is made in some way, shape, or form, a major one. Um, but we're not there yet, right? And, yeah. and so sitting here, 10 and 12, Knicks have a couple home games this weekend. And, you know, big picture sense, CP, I just, I was thinking about this earlier, like pro sports, it's crazy sometimes. The ball bounces a couple different ways for the Knicks over these first 22 games. Maybe they're sitting at 12 and 10, right. 13 and 9. And it's a total different conversation. I think it would be a total different conversation around the team. Um, but they don't execute some of these games and 10 and 12. And this is where we are. Yeah, it, it's tough. And when I think about the scrutiny, I have to look at Leon Rose. I, I looked at it from last year and thought that if he didn't make his big splash soon, then eyes are going to be on him. And yes, he had a chance at Donovan Mitchell. And however we want to look at why it didn't work out for the Knicks, they didn't get him and they didn't get their, their big target. But now you look at the moves that Rose has made. You look at log jams at the five. There's log jams at the, at the guard position. You have a, a deep roster, but uh, of, of almost even talent and of guys who are good on one side of the ball, but not necessarily two-way players. And so it, it causes a, a, a it, it makes it a difficult job for the coach once again whether it's managing rotations, minutes, who to play, who to start, because you just have inconsistent play. It's, it is tricky. I mean, Tom Thibodeau, I know uh, 
I think it's every coach in this town, no matter what the sport, they're going to be scrutinized. And, and when your team's losing, you're going to get on the head coach. That's just the nature, I think, of the beast in pro sports in general, particularly here. But Tom Thibodeau, like, it's, it's easy to, to look at all his decisions that he makes in a given game or a given week. And if, if things aren't going well, you know, it's easy to second guess those, guess those decisions. And, and maybe that second guessing is correct. I'm not here to, to say it is or it isn't. But when you have depth, um, depth is great when you're winning. Uh, if you're, you know, stopping teams and, and you're getting, you know, to play all, all guys in a blowout scenario. But depth when you're a, a middling team, it, it can create headaches for the head coach. And I think you see that here with the Knicks. The one thing, CP, I want to get your thoughts mm-hmm. on this. Um, I really look back at, the you know training camp to now if Quentin Grimes is healthy I just wonder how much different the Knicks look right now because uh, I know that at least internally some people felt that he was going to be the opening day starting shooting guard yeah obviously he gets hurt and the injury was a tricky one uh, but I just wonder what this team would look like if Grimes was healthy yeah. from from day one where they would be right now yeah, you know, it's an interesting question, but I think Cam filled in admirably when when Grimes was on his way back. I, I think that's one yeah, thing that certainly. you can say has been a bright spot. It's been Cam Reddish's defense, him being, for me, uh, where you have log jams and many other positions, the one true wing on this team. And yeah. I, I thought, you know, Cam really served his, his case well by jumping into the starting rotation and playing good defense. But, you know, when you think about their vulnerabilities at the point of attack, obviously you look at Brunson there. RJ doesn't seem to really be able to keep up a lot. He, he seems a lot slower on the defensive end. Julius, his defensive awareness was is never consistent. And so I think that's what makes for this defense being 25th ranked in, in the league right now. I think it's, it's partly uh, your, your big three in the starting rotation just don't defend all that well. Yeah, and that's it's not a, a Tom Thibodeau team, the, the way we've the, the way that he's kind of made his uh, bones in the NBA, so to speak, his reputation, uh, certainly not defending like like I'm sure he would like. But, you know, offensively, some of the numbers are very good. Uh, the the three-point shooting is not good. But other numbers, transition, points in the paint, um, offensive rebounding, the Knicks are very strong numbers when you look uh, up and down the league. And so I think they're like, there are reasons to think that the Knicks can turn a corner at some point. I, the, you know, I think that belief is there in the locker room. I, Jalen Brunson talks about it a lot. R.J. Barrett saying it too. Like they, they feel like, hey, look at the way we're losing. Like Milwaukee were right there. Uh, Memphis were right there. So they feel like, you know, they can turn a corner. But I think it's a pivotal stretch here for everybody. Uh, yeah. Leon Rose on down. This is, a, I think, a pivotal month for this group. If you tread water, if, if you win some games, maybe on paper you're not expected to win. I think everything's fine. If you have some of those ugly losses, and too many of them, uh, I think it could be trouble. So, yeah, a telling month for yeah. uh, this Nick team this season and I think in the Leon Rose era coming up here. No question about it. And salute to everybody in the chat. Once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. CP and Ian Begley on the ones and twos. If you guys have a cu- couple questions for Ian, we'll take some questions, man. 657-383-1509 is the number to call. Or you could hit us up on the Knicks Fan TV Discord. And Ian, RJ Barrett has... You know, he, he's in the sights of Knicks fans right now. He signed the contract extension over the summer. He, he Obviously, his name was in the Donovan Mitchell talks. But I'll, in my opinion, 
I had the I had the Knicks at a pencil the Knicks at 41 wins, but I felt like if they were really gonna inch closer to 50 and and really solidify themselves in that that bottom rung of the East, I felt like RJ was really gonna have to take another step up in year four. And that meant more efficient shooting, closer to 40 from three, finishing well, drawing more contact into line, getting to closer to 20, 22, 24 points per game. But he seems to be offensively around where he's been last year. Now, the three-point shooting is down to 28%, which is abysmal. But also defensively is where I see like he's taking a step back even from last year. And then on top of that, offensively, I just don't see enough winning type of plays from him where it's not, you know, put my head down and, and drive to the basket. You know, I don't see him trying to set guys up. He has his moments where he's getting guys involved. But for me, I think he's got to look to do that a little bit more rather than just just forcing the issue. And the thing I wonder about with RJ, I mean, the, the shooting, maybe I'm, I'm kind of being uh, blind to what we've seen the past couple of weeks. But I never get too concerned with RJ shooting. I think it's just going to be Italy, it's, I think it's going to improve incrementally until he's at his ceiling as a shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I would assume that over the course of this month and then the rest of the year, his shooting is going to be fine. And he's kind of established a pattern in that, in that respect, starting out slowly mm-hmm. and then getting it going. Why it happens, I don't know. Uh, but it, it has happened over the past couple of seasons. The thing that is surprise, surprises me a bit is the, the defense um, and also – uh, you saw him in that Portland game in particular, and, and even after that, I was looking at some of the box outs, and he missed some box outs that led to second chance points. And it, it, he's a high IQ player, right? He he understands what he's looking at on the court. I think he understands situations he's in. So I'm I'm just wondering, like he did add some muscle in the off season. I'm just wondering if like maybe that has slowed him down because I can't. I don't. He doesn't strike me as a player that's going to just take plays off and allow himself to get beat from a pride perspective and from a, a way he approaches the game. So I just wonder if there's something else there and, and what it might be. He did talk after that uh, last game about shot selection, seeing the film mm-hmm. when he was struggling with his shot. He felt like he took some, some good shots, but he also took some bad shots. So he said, you know, just getting those bad shots out of my diet is a key. And I think the last couple of games, he's looked better offensively. Uh, so let's see where we are, you know, mid-December, late December with RJ and the shooting percentages. But yeah, defensively, uh, and box outs in particular over the last couple of games, it's been surprising to me. Yeah, I, I agree. And But like I said, to, to who much is given, much is expected. And now that he signed yeah. that contract, man, the fans want, expect greatness from RJ on a nightly basis. But, you know, I've yeah. I've kind of tempered my expectations for him based on what I've seen over the last three years. And not to say that I don't think he can improve um, mightily, but I just feel like he, right now he he kind of looks like a, a guy who may top out as a third or fourth best player on a, on a good team. I think, yeah, a lot of people, like fans, but also, you know, scouts and people from other teams, that's kind of the way they see him too as his ceiling. And look, if he's on a team, whether it's the Knicks or another team that's built properly to contend, and then he's your third best player, I think he 
can fill that role really well and he can make winning plays and help you win games as he continues to progress and mature as a player. So I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I, I, I do think that that's a kind of a common expectation for him as far as his ceiling. The, the jump to a two or a one, I think, would, would mean a really, really big uh, increase in, in shoot field goal percentage shooting and other areas, but per- particularly yeah. there. But listen, if the Knicks are what uh, fans want them to be, what Leon Rose wants them to be, what James Dolan wants them to be, ultimately, uh, yeah, you build and you get a star too, and you have R.J. Barrett here as a great complimentary piece to go and compete in the Eastern Conference. We're obviously a long way away from yeah. that, but I think that's important to note when you're talking about R.J.'s ceiling and what he can be. And when you look at the investment they made in Brunson, I love the Brunson acquisition. Love everything that that he's brought to the team. Yes, defensively, sometimes things can get a little bit hairy, but what he's brought as a clutch player, as a scorer in the paint, and you know, just bringing that electricity to the garden. I, I think he's he's been tough. He's been everything as advertised. And then you look at RJ and his potential ceiling. I move down to Julius, who, yes, offensively he he's been fine so far. Defensively. We know who he's been defensively. This is who he is. You know, some nights he'll give you a stellar effort. That that night in Denver, prime example, terrific in the fourth quarter. You know, leading his team on both ends. And then there's other nights where he he's just losing guys left and right, or missing assignments, or not rotating fast enough. But I just feel like with Julius, this is his fourth year on this team. And we know how far this team can go with, with Julius on the team. And then when you look at what they brought in, drafting Obi Toppin, re-signing Julius, I, I just have a hard time seeing Leon Rose and his staff being content with the Obi-Julius dynamic. And, and yes, Obi shot the ball well from three, but just having him as just that, you know, stand in the corner, shoot the three here and there. And yes, he'll get out there on the outlets and in transition and score, but is that really what they envisioned? for the number eight pick in the draft. It's it's very hard, very hard to see. I think the answer is is no. That's not what they envision. And I think, CP, we probably talked about this before, but my my understanding was the drafting of Obi Toppin um, in part was with the idea that eventually Julius Randle, you know, you find a trade that you like and, and then you open up the slot for Obi Toppin. But Julius Randle then goes and has an all-NBA season, to his credit, helps lead the win, Knicks to 41 wins, 41-31, number four seed yeah. in the East. And, and, and something, a development that not many people saw coming. And then if you're the Knicks, you're in a place where, hey, we have to extend Julius Randle or we have to re-sign him as a free agent. He just put us on his back and, and uh, put us in a place where we didn't expect to be after year one. And then you also have Obi Toppin. So that dynamic, it's not going to go away unless one of them is moved. And I would think that I, I can't tell you what these guys were thinking with regards to that dynamic because I would have thought it would have been sorted out one way or the other uh, once you got to this point. The yeah. idea that it hasn't, uh, I just don't know. I guess uh, maybe they're, they're waiting to see what could come you know, in the trade market, as you get closer to the deadline, although I can't see Julius getting moved in season unless the Knicks have to make a big swing um, and really have to to are looking to save themselves and 
and really uh, get things turned around at the deadline. Uh, outside of that scenario, I can't see them making a move trading Julius. So, yeah, it's just, it, it seems like it's one of those scenarios where everybody's kind of just, I don't want to say stuck, but it, nothing is moving in the dynamic. So you just live with it and you live with the results until something changes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I, I think they tied themselves in a knot with this thing. And to me, they are kind of stuck because you do have Julius sitting here with, yes, his, his deal has just kicked in. He's got four years on his deal. But as I said, I, I feel like their ceiling with him is capped. And it, he it's, it's not that Julius is, is a bad player per se. It's just that he adds to them being stuck in no man's land. And for me, they need to continue to peel this thing back. They looked at, at Mitchell, didn't go that route. Instead of bringing in more pieces on top of this, I think they need to move it back, move it back, move Julius, move Fortier, move Rose, and, and free, free up some more opportunity, but, but really also give themselves a good shot in the draft to really pull something out that, that's, that can really help move the needle for this team. You know, they have the Dallas pick. They have their own pick. They have, they have a couple of first-round picks in a deep draft. I think they really need to put put their efforts that way, realize where they are right now, and and maybe they get lucky come come lottery night. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense, CP. But if you're talking about here and now, but if you you're looking at this thing and you're looking at from where it started with Leon Rose, and you're talking about deals that really the Knicks just signed two summers ago, and you're talking about trading more of those contracts and not totally shifting into a rebuild because the idea would be to, I guess, get quality draft choices and, and use those either as assets or, or draft players. But the idea that you would trade Derrick Rose and Evan Fournier after trading Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks, I mean, and Kemba Walker not yeah. working out. It's just you look at that offseason from a couple summers ago, and if you're signing the checks, if you're James Dolan, I would assume you're scratching your head a little bit if they go that route and make those moves, again, making a lot of sense to me in a vacuum, but given the context of everything, I think you put a bigger bullseye on yourself if you're Leon Rose and his group and you just trade off those guys uh, looking to free up minutes for younger guys and saying maybe we'll get a higher pick uh, come late June. 
Hard, hard to kind of wave that white flag in front of the owner who's been cutting the checks, right? <laughs> and then basically showing him, hey, we made a lot of wrong moves here. And it, it, it's it's difficult. That's where it gets man. tricky. That's where it gets tricky. And I even I even look at um the previous draft where you know punting on that draft pick. And you look around the league now, this rookie class, you had a lot of guys that could have helped the Knicks rotation. Jalen Williams with with OKC. I looked at a guy like Atari Eason defensively who could have really, you know, a real defensive energy guy who could have helped this team. Um, maybe, I don't know if if they if there was any interest in a Benedict Matherin, but a lot of people expected uh, his play right now in this rookie season. He's having an outstanding year for Indiana. I, I wonder if anyone in the organization uh, would have wanted to, to have kept that pick and, and brought in a player here rather than uh, punt for the future. Well, I'm sure that the the guys who get paid to scout college players yeah. and high school players all year round, I'm sure they wanted to keep the pick. The thing that I wonder is, given where the Knicks were coming into this season, you know, having to show improvement, market improvement, something you can measure, would Tom Thibodeau have wanted to play that rookie? Would right. he have trusted that rookie to be in his rotation? And him knowing that he had to to win games night in and night out, so I. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I do think that that would have been a factor if they kept that pick. Would Thibodeau have seen that player and said, I can trust him to put me in the best position to win night in and night out over player X who he'd be taking minutes from? Yeah, it's that, and that's the thing for me. It's just like where the expectations are and where this team really should be going there's just so much misalignment, man. I think that's the most frustrating thing. Uh, a couple more for you. So to everybody in the chat, once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Ian Begley joins us for the next quarter season report. I do see a couple of calls on the line, and, and we will get to that. Uh, I did mention mention Cam earlier, and as I said, I felt like Cam is, has played well. He seems like he's solidified a spot in the rotation, whether it's starter or off the bench, because of how much his defense is needed. Uh, what do you what do you see as as the long-term play with Cam here. They they didn't negotiate the contract extension in, in the summer. I believe he said he, he'll be a restricted free agent going into this coming off season. Well, what do you what do you think about the long-term future with Cam and the Knicks? I would assume that the Knicks are going to be at least uh, faced with a decision at the deadline because I would assume at least a couple teams call them and say, "Hey, we're, we're going to give you X, Y, Z. We want Cam." and they're going to have to think long and hard about it. Um, you know, the Lakers have been a team that's consistently showed interest in Cam Reddish. I know that the Miami Heat touched base with the Knicks at some point uh, last season or early last offseason about Cam Reddish. I believe the Bucks did as well. So, you know, teams, are, are, especially when he was not playing, teams were monitoring that situation and wondering how it was going to go. So there's going to be interest in Cam Reddish at the trade deadline. At that point, if you're the Knicks, you have to do – uh, your math and say, we're willing to pay him X. Is he going to accept X? If not, do we have to trade him? Yeah. Uh, so I think that's the the immediate future for Reddish. And I, I agree with you. I think Reddish uh, has deserved, has earned, I should say, a spot in this rotation. Uh, and it, maybe it's not even like the idea that he's been perfect because he hasn't been perfect. But I think he's shown you enough to where you say, we got to keep giving him minutes and, and seeing where he takes it because you said it. He is the, uh, probably the only uh, true wing uh, player that has the potential to be a strong two-way player. And he had shown it in fits and starts in Atlanta. He frustrated people with the Hawks. But, you know, sometimes it takes guys a few years to, to really 
get to their potential and, and get to uh, a place where they can bring it every night. And maybe you're seeing Cam Reddish continue to progress to that point. And I also have to wonder if Grimes stays healthy and maintains his spot in the starting rotation. You know, is Cam happy with that with that role off the bench? You know, he, he wanted to leave the Hawks for an expanded role with another team. But I have to wonder if by the time the end of the season comes around or, you know, if he's here by then, if, if he'll be satisfied with that role or he'll look for, you know, greener pastures and, and expanded role. We'll have to uh, see how that plays out. Um, Quickly's name has come up in, in trade talks and, you know, some of the fan base that haven't been too pleased with it. I, I think the sentiment has been if you're going to punt trade quickly just to punt for the future, why trade a young player like that whose defense has been, I mean, quickly to me has been next to Cam and Grimes, one of your best defenders, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the guy's his shot. Yes, it, it goes up and down, but he, he's been shooting it a lot better lately. Uh, but I think that's been the sentiment of, among the fan base. Like, why trade quickly for, for a future pick when you could use him right now and, and beyond? Yeah, man, I know early or earlier, I should say, in the year, you know, certainly teams were calling the Knicks were having conversations about it. I can't tell you right now exactly where they sit. Um, but, you know, you know, teams, the Knicks were not hanging up the phone earlier this year with Emmanuel quickly. And if you look at the, the big picture, it's uh, maybe it's not as much about uh, the idea that, you know, he's playing well right now, but more so like you look at a couple years down the line or this summer, he's extension eligible, right? And the Knicks have salary committed to Julius Randle and to Jalen Brunson and to RJ Barrett and to others. And I think it's at the point financially where can you extend both Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly? I think that's a question you at least have to ask yourself if you're the Knicks. And maybe you operate uh, based on the answer to that question with quickly at the deadline. But I, 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 I say that uh, I say all that to say teams are calling about players all the time. Yeah. This just happened to be something that that got out. Uh, I would assume that the Knicks are getting calls on a bunch of players that we don't even know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with quickly, you know, I think that the the future factors in, and the idea that you have money tied up to guys already. And how much can you allocate to the younger players on this roster who are going to be extension eligible and still make it all work? Can't keep everybody, man. Tough decisions to make. Let's, uh, let's get this quick phone call in. Let's go to Greg from Connecticut. Greg, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, fellas? You hear me? Loud and clear. What's going on? What's up, Greg? Hey, what's going on, man? What's going on, Ian? Hey, I just wanted to throw my cape for uh, the front office and Tibbs real quick, man, if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make it rapid fire, though. But I do want to say, I think that um, I think that the front office and Tibbs have been doing a good job, man. I think that there are things that Tibbs could be doing better. Um, I do think that the front office <clears throat> has, sorry, has addressed everything that they needed to address at the time. You know what I mean? Like, when they first came on, I think that they were planning for a rebuild, which is why they got Obi. You know what I mean? But then, like you said, Ian, Randall went on to have the year he had. You had three times. You know, we're dealing with the repercussions of that now, but we had to. We had no choice because he had that amazing season. Um, I think the following year, we addressed the scoring that we needed with Kemba Walker, with Evan Fournier. Everybody loved those moves. We were screaming 50-burger on here the whole time last summer, <laughs> CP. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, you know, we all loved the moves. Um, but it didn't work out. And I think that we can't, I think it's unfair to look back at that and blame um, 
the the front office as if they did things that weren't good for the team at the moment that we thought would work out. You know what I'm saying? I think that Tibbs' first year, he was number four in defense in, in the league. I think, if I'm not mistaken, last year we were number 11. You know what I mean? I think um, if you told me that we would have a top four and top 11 defense, we already know that that's Tibbs' thing. Granted, this year has been a big slip. 25. But we're only 20 games in. Hmm? 25 so far. <laughs> Yeah, 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 25, yeah, 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 you know, you're right, but um, it's been a big slip, and I think that, you know, hopefully we can get back to that identity, but I I do think that uh, if we fire Tibbs and we hire whoever we're going to hire, I think, you know, we're still a 500 team regardless, and I think that the inconsistency that the Knicks have had with their head coaching has also been a problem. I mean, if you fire Tibbs and bring in somebody else, I think that'll be four head coaches for RJ in four years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, I think that okay. that's a problem. You know, we have- got it. I, I'm just we'll kind of just pressed for time, but I, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. E, e, what's your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think if you look at, let's say, the Knicks from the last 10, 15 years, has there been a team that's like better positioned to at least make the next move in terms of having young players, having draft picks? You don't have cap space anymore, but you still have young players. You still have draft picks. And you can see a path forward to where they can ascend, whether they get there or not. You know, it depends on a million factors, including the decisions to come. But I understand where Greg's coming from in terms of if you've been paying attention to this team, rooting for this team for the past 20 years, this is probably one of the most promising positions the club has been in over those past 20 years. And that's a credit to coaching staff. It's a credit to the front office. And, you know, so I think that there's reasons to, to still hold out um, hope that this thing can work. And I, I agree with the idea of uh, continuity and how important that is. So uh, no one's asking my opinion, but if I was writing the checks, I would at least want Leon Rose and his group to have the opportunity to make that big swing of a trade to bring in the top player that if I'm Jim Dolan, the reason I hire these guys is to bring a star, bring two stars in. So I would still give Leon Rose a chance to take that big swing to me as long as things don't just completely fall off the rails because uh, because they have shown that they, they can make competent decisions and you can understand a lot of what's happened. And it's been a little sideways here and there, but I, I see where Greg is coming from. Yeah, I mean, look, I, w- I wouldn't say that Rose has done a bad job. He just hasn't moved the needle just yet. And uh, I agree with Greg, yes, the, the, the moves that they made in the past years when you looked at it, I understood them. I understood the reason to go get a Fournier and go get Kemba on the cheap at, at that time. I understood, uh, you know, bringing back Rose and Burks and those guys, bringing back the guys that, that you made the playoffs with. But it just hasn't yielded anything. And I feel like a lot of people have this stance because we who have either watched this team or covered this team for X amount of years understand that the guy writing the checks is short on patience. And 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 Bondi said it best on the putback today. He said Dolan is very reactionary, and and if they're going out there and they're letting go of the rope and they're having embarrassing losses or they're not living up to expect or playing up to expectations, it's only a matter of time. They won thirty seven games last year. Now they've they've made an investment in Brunson. They have an investment in Julius. An investment in RJ. How much longer does James Dolan sit around and and wait? For, D, for for Leon to make a big swing. I mean, Embiid's not going anywhere for that time. Booker's not going anywhere anywhere for now. 
So I mean, who who's really the guy that you, that as Bondi said again, Mitchell was that that swing to make at least you know for the for the near term. But but who else is out there that you know can really really move the needle for this franchise? I just have a hard time seeing it. Yeah, I mean, they, look, that's why those guys at the top, Leon Rose, William Wesley, they get paid the big bucks to figure that out, to figure out, to look around the corners and see things that, you know, people on the outside can't see. And so are they going to get it done? Or is the big swing going to work? Is the big swing going to, are they going to be able to take the big swing? Uh, yeah, these are the, all the questions that are on my mind right now as the Knicks sit here uh, at the quarter point of this season. Now, one thing on, on James Dolan, yes, reactionary for sure. Uh, but I think that, you know, at least in talking to a couple of people who have worked there in the past, he also just wants to know about process and, and mm. does it make sense? And is it, are the moves like aligning with something that, you know, you can understand and you can understand the path forward? And that's where I think this past offseason where you're, you're moving salary, using second round draft picks to move off salary. To sign Jalen Brunson, to me, if I'm if I'm looking at a big picture, I'm saying, all right, I want to see results now. And Jim Dolan, you know, you look at the Rangers and the mm-hmm. Knicks. It, he this is a results business for him. He wants to see results at some point. Uh, agree with it or disagree with it. This is the third full season for Leon Rose in this group, and I think that he wants to see results. So we'll see. Either they win the games, or you know, they lose competitively. Or they don't, and then I think the owner has to make a decision. Absolutely, man. Well, well, Ian, for the quarter season report, we we definitely appreciate it, and uh, we'll we'll see how things play out at the half, man. Knicks ten and twelve on the campaign right now. Uh, tough slate ahead. They have Dallas coming up on Saturday. They have Donovan Mitchell and the Cleveland Cavaliers coming into town. So hopefully he doesn't embarrass them too bad. But uh, and hopefully they can weather the storm. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll see how it plays out. But you know, I wanted to have this kind of home and home with you man because i wanted to announce to the fan base that ian has joined us here on Knicks fan tv live tonight tomorrow night i will be making my debut on sny tv the cable channel on honda sports night talking Knicks, talking Knicks in dallas preview man so catch your boy cp the fantasy on sny tv Whatever channel it is on your local cable cha- on, on your local cable station this Friday around 10 p.m. Eastern time, man. CP the franchise Honda Sports Night SNY TV, man. So Ian, definitely uh, appreciate all the support for Knicks Fan TV, and and thanks again for your time, man. Looking forward to it, man. I love it, man. I love it. I can't wait for Friday night. Yeah. I'm tuned in. I hope everybody else is tuned in. It's gonna be great. Uh, CP, I don't want to out you, but now that you're a TV guy and I'm on TV a little bit, yeah. like we were talking makeup before. So yeah, man. You know, now, now we're talking about something totally different <laughs> than, than the Knicks. But I, I wish you luck, man. And I'm, I'm so I'm so happy for you. First of all, you deserve it. And uh, I'm excited to see it. Excited to see your continued growth. And we'll both be watching this team intently. And let's see where things go. Appreciate it, man. Well, like I said, your support has been a driving force of it, man. So I, I appreciate you uh, for believing in us, man, and, and continuing to support, man. So best of luck to you, and uh, and we'll talk soon, man. Thank you, my friend. That all sounds good. My thumbs always up. Ian Begley, ladies and gentlemen, 
that was the next quarter season report man so what did you guys think man leave us some comments in the comment section below or you can tweet at ian on twitter you know he's always around always chopping it up with the knicks man go ahead and support us on uh, on sny tv on sny media channels i'll also be on ian's uh show the putback with ian begley next week thursday a week from today at 1 p.m eastern time man so make sure that you guys are setting that in but uh one more time just to remind the people at home that i will be on sny the tv channel tomorrow night 10 p.m eastern on honda sports night previewing the knicks and dallas mavericks game man so looking forward to that and once again appreciate everybody for tuning in remember that the show is available in audio podcast format all the major podcast platforms so if you missed it tonight on video you could always catch it on audio so don't forget to uh to catch that hit that thumbs up on free boys subscribe to the channel share these videos and also speaking of dallas and the knicks my guy alex Rotaros, the Stratocaster, our game of the week preview will be premiering tonight it might be starting now i think i think i asked jared to start it up now so might be premiering tonight so as we log off here make sure you guys tap into the channel for the knicks versus mavericks game of the week preview we sat down from our guys from mavs outsiders to dish on luca the mavs and company man so more content got a lot of content going on this weekend man around the channel so make sure you guys tap in all right see you guys peace